Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Bibles tonight, invite your attention to the Word of the Lord, uh, to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to read a few verses there, beginning chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, chapter 4 and verse 29, and then we'll go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and then the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Amen. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Notice verse 30. Grieve not and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed and to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be a kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Some powerful verses of Scripture. I want to focus on verse 3. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And then if you would, go with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, one short verse, verse 19. Oh, we can back up and read 18 also. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then verse 19, quench not the Spirit. Quench not. First we saw grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, and now quench not, quench not. And then uh, Hebrews chapter number 5, Hebrews 5, and I want to read kind of various verses there. Verse 11 we'll start with, and of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. We know that hearing is one, of course, of the five senses that man has. And we know that spiritual senses is even more important than that. Dull of hearing. And then in verse 13, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I want you to pay particular close attention to that last verse. Even though those who by reason, everybody say that with me, by reason of use, by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 
by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I mean, as the Holy Ghost will help us if we'll allow it to, and if we'll be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And so I want to speak from this subject here tonight, getting and keeping a sensitivity to God. Getting and keeping a sensitivity to God. Many people get a sensitivity to God when they get the Holy Ghost and when they first come to the Lord. Uh, seems like everything is kind of new to you and it's just by virtue of it being new, just like you step into a new environment, your senses are more aware of what's going on and the changes about that environment or that atmosphere. The same is true as a child of God when you step into the things of the Spirit. At first, your senses are heightened to it. And, uh, of course, uh, we were searching for it, looking for it for a long, long time, finally found it. But just like anything else, after a period of time, if we're not careful, our senses become dull, right? And uh, just like if you lived next to a railroad trestle or track, and that might bother you the first month or so that you live there, but if you uh, worked at it long enough, I'm sure that you could sleep right through the rumbling of the train, sleep right through the whistling of the train's horn or whistle or whatever as it crosses the crossings and all the bells that are ringing and warning signs that go out, you'd become insensitive to it. So uh, I want to talk to, about, talk to us about both of these things, getting and keeping a sensitivity to God. Would you pray with me that the Lord would open our hearts tonight to His Word? Jesus, I pray, God, that you would help me to convey your word tonight as I feel that you've laid it upon my heart. And I also pray that you would touch this congregation that we love so dearly. I pray that you would move upon them and help me to help people that are here tonight through the handling of the word of God. I pray that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would be upon us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And could we give thanks to the Lord again and give Him praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Getting and keeping a sensitivity to God. Now, the writer of Hebrews is emphasizing the importance of sensitivity and the need for it being developed and he tells us how that it is developed and how that it's honed and sharpened and becomes, uh, we become more acute, more aware, more, as I've already said, heightened uh, to our spiritual senses. He said that it comes by reason of use. For instance, the more that you handle certain things, the more sensitive you become to them. Uh, the more that you practice certain uh, behaviors, there's such a thing as muscle memory. And uh, you know they tell us that when you swing a bat, if you keep doing it that way, it becomes muscle memory. And it may not be the correct way. In fact, Somebody may come along and give you a few pointers of how you could get more leverage and more distance with your uh, swing of the bat. 
to hit a baseball or softball or maybe it's a golf club. They could tell you how and give you a few pointers. But if you've been doing it that way, even though it may be an incorrect way, if you've been doing it that way for a while, of course, you've practiced that so long that is what we call muscle memory. And uh, you just continue to do that almost naturally, and that's what feels most natural to you. And matter of fact, doing it a different way feels incorrect. And uh, naturally, I hadn't played golf in a long time, but they, they tell me that my swing, my backswing, is not nearly as stretched out or the backswing doesn't extend as far as it should or it could, and I could possibly get more distance out of the ball if I would practice a little bit higher backswing because you would, of course, gain more swing speed and club speed going forward if you had a little bit more room there in the swing. And uh, I've tried it a few times, and i found that I shank the ball off a bad when I get that backswing in there like it needs to be. Of course, I hit it further. I just hit it further into the woods. And so I've learned that the way that I can hit it straight is I don't take quite so much of a backswing, and I'm able to hit a little bit straighter. No more than I play golf, that works for me, and so that's what I've learned to do. But you know, real good golfers, they play with even different clubs than us weekend warriors do. They play with what is called blades, and these are uh, made out of sometimes a different material. They don't have as large of a forgiveness spot in the club, and uh, there's a lot more sensitivity and feel to this type of club, and they can move the ball. And what I mean by that is that they can hit the ball to the green. If they've studied the green, they can study out what the uh, slopes are on the green, and they know that they can hit the ball over here, and uh, maybe there's an obstacle in the way, and they can make the ball do all kinds of things. They can bend the ball around, uh, you know, an outing of trees. They could make the ball have a backspin that literally when it hits the green, it backs up uh, several feet. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing what they're able to do. But they have played this sport so long and they practiced it that they have such a feel and such a sensitivity to it that is amazing. I read somewhere that Ben Hogan uh, hit, I think, somewhere around... Uh, a thousand golf balls a day. Don't hold me to that quote. It's been a long time since I read the book. But anyway, uh, 500 to 1,000 golf balls a day. Uh, he just went out and, and, and uh, he would hit those golf balls and practice time over again his swing at all kinds of dis different distances. And he did this uh, every day, every day, every day. And he said, if you want to become a great golfer, this is the thing that you have to do. I would say that he has become sensitive uh, to the game of golf and an expert because uh, he has used that gift enough. He didn't start out that way. He didn't start out hitting with that kind of precision. He didn't start out uh, with that kind of sensitivity to the club and to the golf ball and what he can make it do. I've been with uh, fishermen and even guides that are particularly good fishermen, and they can tell you 
uh, certain baits that they cast into the water. Though they're not able to be seen with the eye, they're down in the water maybe, maybe several feet, 12, 15, 20 feet deep. But they can tell you what's going on down there. And sometimes a novice would miss a bite from a fish, uh, would miss what's going on because they would think maybe that's just a twig, maybe that's just some grass, maybe that's something I'm hung up on. And uh, instead of setting the hook, they just pull it right out of the fish's mouth. But a good fisherman that has fished for a long time and by reason of use has become sensitive, uh, they know and they can feel, they know the difference between a blade of grass and a bass. They know the difference between uh, a nibble and a hard bite. They know the difference between, oh, that's, that's just... Uh, that's just bluegill, or that's just a, a perch, or that's just whatever versus what I'm looking for and what I'm trying to catch. They know the difference in the bite, and they can tell, and they're sensitive to it, and they know exactly, because sometimes with certain baits, a fish would suck that into its mouth, and once it detects that it's, that it's uh, synthetic, that it's not real, it's not live bait, it's going to spit it back out, and you just have just a few moments there to make a decision and uh, if you're a good fisherman that's when you cross their eyes and you set the hook and you make the catch and good fishermen they're sensitive to that mechanics I've been around mechanics that they've been around cars and listened to motors uh, so much and I remember one shade tree mechanic that my they mostly can't do this kind of thing nowadays but in the old days uh, my dad used to use this man, and I watched him as there was a, a problem with the motor, and he would take a, a, a piece of metal that was like a rod, and he would take it, and he put it up kind of towards his ear, and he held it to various parts on that motor. He was listening to see where that uh, sound was coming from, where uh, the grinding was, or whatever the sound was that he was looking for, and uh, he was sensitive to that. I've seen guys lift the hood and just be able to listen and tell you. They can tell you a lot of things because by reason of use, they've become sensitive. There's horse trainers that are this way. Marty, um, Monty Roberts wrote a book, and he was called The Horse Whisperer, but he wrote a book, The Man That Listens to Horses, a fascinating read, and he talked about how that he could take the wildest Mustang out of the hills of Nevada and he could bring them in a round pen. And in just a little while of working with them, he could do what he called joining up. And he could make that horse that was just a few moments ago wild and had no domestication whatsoever. He could cause them to submit to certain things and do certain commands in just a little while. And it's an amazing thing. This man, by reason of use and living around horses all of his life, and working with horses, he was sensitive, and he developed, uh, he got this sensitivity by reason of use. And uh, the same is true when we talk about sensitivity to the things of the Spirit. Can I tell you that uh, I can't think of anything that is more amazing to me than to watch somebody that I know is flesh and blood just like you and I but by dedicating themselves and by opening up their heart and praying and seeking after it and, 
And it not just being a one or two day affair or just while the revival's going on or just, just uh, a few months running hot and cold, but they over time have proved a consistency of prayer and consecration and through seeking God have made themselves available to Him, fasting and prayer and continually reaching out for the things of God and desiring to be used of the Lord. And God begins to allow them to be used by Him. Can I tell you that God works in channels and the Holy Ghost works in channels. And uh, finding the flow and getting in the vein of what God wants to do, sometimes we have to we have to, just like a radio dial, the old kind, before we had the digital kind that would end up right on the, the, best, uh, the best megahertz or whatever it is for the station, you used to have to take that knob and you'd kind of fine-tune it until you got in there and you could hear it the best that you could. Well, that's kind of the way it is. As a child of God, you're trying to be sensitive to the things of the Spirit. And sometimes there's a little static and then through adjusting it and getting this flesh out of the way. And how many knows that God's always ready to move and God is always ready to work? It's us that has to yield to the moving of the Spirit. It's us that has to get out of the way. It's us that has to be open to the will of God. He said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. The Spirit is speaking. It's us that have ears. And I'm not talking about these physical things on the side of our head. I'm talking about spiritual hearing that is able to tune in and hear the voice of God. And how critical that is to every one of us as children of God being able to hear the voice of the Lord. I'm reminded of Elijah. And how that in 1 Kings chapter 19, you talk about a man that needed desperately to hear from God. He had threats against his life from Jezebel. Uh, He was very unpopular with uh, her, her husband, and the government that ruled the land because he had just called fire down from heaven and he had just uh, totally destroyed the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Grove. And now Jezebel has put a price on his head and she's making threats to him and intimidating him. And the Bible says he grows very discouraged. He goes out, first of all, and gets under a juniper tree and the Lord provides for him a meal and said, eat this meal because uh, you're going to need it for the journey that you're going to go on. And then he goes back into a cave, and the Lord asked him a question. He said, what doest thou here, Elijah? You're not to be a cave dweller. You're not to spend your life in hiding. I've anointed you, and what I have done for you in times past, I'll continue to do in your life if you'll continue to walk with me. I'll take care of you. I didn't get you out here on a limb to cut it off behind you, Elijah, but I'm going I'm to use you in the future. It's not over with. This is not the only exploit that I want to do through you. Amen. And so uh, he needs confirmation from the Lord, and suddenly he uh, sees the wind uh, being stirred up on, outside the mouth of that cave, and he looks, and I'm talking about fierce wind. You know, we talk about hurricanes and the wind of uh, 
these hurricanes and many of them that just took place out on the coast and the wind of Katrina when it came into the Gulf Coast of Biloxi and Gulfport in that area. It was wind there and it was flooding over in New Orleans. And uh, just a strong, powerful wind, you know, of excess of 150 miles an hour. And that to us is, uh, is almost unfathomable. I mean, a good 25 mile an hour wind, it just about unsettles all of us. And uh, I remember driving out into West Texas and spending some time out there and seeing trailers flipped over and seeing people driving down the road with RVs and they were struggling to keep them on the road. And uh, that is just a little drop in the bucket compared to what Elijah was seeing because the Bible says that this wind was so fierce that it was ripping the rocks into pieces. Can you imagine? It was tearing the rocks into pieces. That wind would have been so strong that there's no way that a human being could have bore uh, standing up to that wind. And then he saw that God was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake that took place. And there was a shaking that went on. And it was something fierce. But yet God was not in the earthquake. And then there was fire that came. And God was not in the fire. But because this man by reason of use, was able to detect what was of God and what was not of God. And I could spend a little time there, and, and I feel like I need to just touch it and move on, bump it just a little bit. You need to be careful, uh, first of all, what kind of voices that you listen to. Second of all, everything that shakes and stirs and seems like it's got fire in it, that don't mean it's the Holy Ghost. Everything that sounds good, looks good, and appealing to the flesh doesn't mean it's the Holy Ghost, doesn't mean that it's of God. And I know that in our time, uh, like never before, we need discernment to be able to tell what is of God and what is not of God. Amen. And the only way you can get that discernment, again, is by reason of use. What are you talking about, reason of use, Pastor Calhoun? I'm telling you, that by spending time in the presence of the Lord, you'll be able to detect what is not of God. By spending time in the presence of the Lord, you'll be able to tell the counterfeits that are out there. You'll be able to detect that this is not right, this is not real, this is not of God. But it is amazing to me how many people try to make critical spiritual decisions based on, if they're being honest, very carnal very carnal state that they're in. It's impossible to make a spiritual decision when you've not been praying and you've not been seeking God and you've not been really flowing in the things of the Spirit of God. And that's when you don't need to trust yourself. You need to trust men of God in your life. Amen. That pray for you and are concerned for you and have a burden for you and are called. There is a difference, you know. Amen. I'm not just here because I'm looking for a place to be. I'm not here just because this is a profession or this is a job or just here to make money. You understand that? I'm here because God called me to be here. Amen. I'm in this position because God called and ordained for it to be this way. And I have often told him, and I'm saying this honestly, God, if it's not your will, then, then I'm your servant. I'm not here because, because of me just 
holding on to a position because that doesn't really matter to me because outside of the will of God, you can't hang on to one anyway. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You've got to be. That's the only place peace is, is in the will of God. And that's why I wouldn't want to resist or fight or buck up or rebel against a real man of God because I'd be fighting the will of God, wouldn't I? Praise the Lord. So it's important for me to stay sensitive to those things. And we got the idea a lot of times, and, and, and sadly it's come into Pentecostal ranks, you know, it used to be this, the denominal world fought like this. It's just kind of like hiring and firing preachers or something. I don't know. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I don't believe in that kind of a, a spirit and attitude. Praise the Lord. I believe in it being God-ordained. And I, I don't believe in just a secessional passing on uh, churches just to be passing on churches. Amen. Because uh, uh, just because my son is a preacher, then I'm going to pass this church on to him because he's a preacher. I'm going to tell you, that negates the will of God in a church setting. And it's so important that we seek and we know the will of God for our lives. As saints of God, we follow the Holy Ghost. But we need guidance because none of us can do it by ourselves. And we need, to, we need guidance at times. Praise the Lord. We need the Lord to be able to speak to us. And it's so important that we be able to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. I need to be able to hear from God. You need to be able to hear from God. And the world certainly needs people that are able to hear from God. Can you say praise the Lord? And so what is the, the reasons why we so desperately need to hear from God? First of all, for our own spiritual safety. Jesus said in his word, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If we'll be led of the Spirit, we can avoid temptation. We can avoid the pitfalls and the snares and the traps that are so well laid by the devil if we'll be sensitive to be led of the Spirit. But if you don't have a submissive spirit, you can't be led. If you're not open to be led, you cannot be led. And so you fall right into the jaws of the trap. You fall right into the pitfall. You walk right into the situation that the devil is gleefully waiting for you to fall into. But by being sensitive to the Lord, we can avoid those things. It could be a message that is preached. That's why we got to not only just be in, in attendance in the service, but we got to be tuned in to what God is saying in the service. That's why a lot of times, you know, it's in the moment. Spirit speaks in the moment. That's why a lot of times, uh, you know, people leave. And uh, I don't want you to feel bad about this because I can't always remember. But a week from now, you're not going to remember what I preached tonight because it was for the moment. It was for that particular time. Oh, you might remember a few details or a few little things, but you're not going to remember everything. But it was for that moment or for that time in your relationship with God that God was trying to speak to you. Amen? That's why I imagine the majority of us, we could remember five, maybe ten sermons in our lifetime, even if we've lived for God for a long time, that it just stood out from us and we, to us and we could remember them. But I, I'm going to tell you, you can't live for God on just those five sermons. And you can't live for God on just ten sermons. You needed every one of them you got and probably a whole lot more to be sensitive to God and to have God to speak to you, right? 
and God speaks to you in the moment. And uh, pastor and preachers and evangelists pray, and they get a word for God for that particular time, and God speaks, and uh, God uh, moves in that situation, and God helps us at that particular moment. And it may be that God's helping us over a hurdle. Maybe God is helping us to avoid a pitfall. It may be that God is warning us. It may be that God is drawing us back and restoring some things in our lives. But we need to be sensitive and open to whatever it is that God is trying to say and whatever He's trying to do. And that's why it's so important that just for the for the hour or so that we're we're here in a in a preaching setting or a teaching setting that we be able to hear from God. That we be able to receive and hone in on what the Spirit is saying. It's the worst time to be writing notes. It's the worst time to be checking your phone. It's the worst time to be connected to the Internet. It's the absolute worst time to be going down your grocery list. Come on, try to disconnect from all of that and connect with God. And you'll be helped and you'll be strengthened and you'll be blessed as a result of it. Amen? Hallelujah. To be sensitive for our own safety. The wise men had not been sensitive to the Lord and went home a different way. Their lives would have been in danger by Herod. If Joseph had not been sensitive to the Lord, we know that the purpose of God was fulfilled through Joseph. I believe God could have used somebody else if Joseph had not been sensitive. But thank God Joseph was sensitive and took baby Jesus down to Egypt for the period of time. And avoided the intent of Herod at that particular time. And then we also read about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. When they were confronted with that great storm, Eurachlodon. He made the statement. He said, I believe in God that he's able to keep us. And the Lord showed him and warned him. We can avoid a a fierce storm and the destruction of this ship and loss of life if we don't sail that direction. They said, what does he know? And they went on. And then when they got in the storm, he said, if we'll stay with this ship, we'll be safe. We'll, we'll make it. And that's still good advice. And when the storm comes, not a time to bail from the ship. It's a time to stay with the ship. And even if you've got to grab a hold of a broken piece and hold on to a corner of it, amen, God will see you through to safety. But it all happened as a result of Paul being sensitive to God. So we save ourselves a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble by being sensitive. Somebody say sensitive. Sensitive to God. And then, of course, for the sake of souls, it's important that we be sensitive. How many knows that our calling, every one of us have this calling, and that is to make disciples? It's a calling to win souls, to reach out to people. It's not enough for us just to be comfortable being saved. But I believe one of the ways that you stay blessed and saved and you keep your head on straight living for God is by being involved in ministering to other people. Because if you're totally self-absorbed and self-focused, you'll find an excuse or a reason or something going on to cause you to fall out with God or you'll use something to cause you to stray. But if you're focused in ministering to others, it's just something about that that replenishes you. And I'm going to prove it to you through the Word of God. Galatians chapter number 6, 
And uh, let's, let's go over there to Galatians chapter number 6. It may take me just a moment. Galatians chapter number 6, verse 1. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if any man think of him, think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. He said, bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're most Christ-like when we're ministering and bearing one another's burdens and being concerned and showing concern and praying for one another. And if we need restoration at a point in our life, if we've been involved in restoration or considering yourselves, he said, if you would be in that situation where you would need restoration, reach out and help somebody. And when the time comes around when you need help, you'll only be able to find it. You'll be able to receive it. Can you say praise the Lord to that? So it's very important. And we know that, of course, Paul was sensitive to hear the Macedonian call. The man of Macedonia that was crying out to him it wasn't a literal deal, but it was a man that he saw uh, in a vision, dream from God, come over to Macedonia and help us. And as a result of being obedient to that, a great revival took place. And then... Simon Peter, of course, was sensitive enough in a time of consecration and fasting. He was up on a roof waiting for them to prepare where he was going to break that fast. They were preparing food down in the house, and he was up on the roof as was a custom and is a custom in those lands. And he was up there praying and talking to God, and God showed him a vision of a sheep coming down with a four-footed beast on it. And he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, slay and eat. And he said, you know I don't eat these type of animals, me being a Hebrew, me being a Jew. I don't eat that type of meat. And the Lord said, uh, what I have cleansed and what I have sanctified. He said, you can, you can partake of it. And what he was trying to show him was something bigger than the meat. He was trying to show him that the Gentile church was going to be acceptable and that Peter needed as the key holder of the New Testament to go and unlock that door to the Gentiles and preached to Cornelius and his household. And that's what he did. He was sensitive enough. And then who could forget Lot being sensitive? And he had such a history with God. It's important that you have a history with God, that you have a reputation, in other words, with God of consistency. And, and that matters. It really does. It matters to God that you have a history with him. I know a lot of you is just kind of like, where are you going with this? What are you, what are you talking about? A history with God. Well, because Abraham had a history with God, God said, you know, I can't just pass him by and not tell him what I'm planning to do over there in Sodom. i got to stop by his house because he's my friend, and I know him because i got a history with him. He's obedient to me. He does my will. He's sensitive to me. He's, I talk to him. He talks with me. And, and so I've got to stop by. I'm going to tell you, when you've got a history with God, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. But if you've been hit and miss, up and down, all around, amen, it's not the same. But when you've been consistently walking with God, 
you can have this confidence that God's going to take care and God's going to reveal things and God's going to show me the way and God is not going to ignore my pleas. Hallelujah. Praise God. Being sensitive to the Lord has an effect upon souls. It did in this case. Abraham was able to make a deal with God as it were. And I know that all of the ten that he had prayed would be saved were not saved. But Lot would have never had a chance if it wasn't for Abraham seeking God. Praise the Lord. We need to be sensitive. When the Lord nudges us in a direction, when God speaks to us about witnessing to somebody, we need to be sensitive enough to move in that moment because that may be the only moment that some people have to hear from God. Can you say praise the Lord? You might remember the story about Brother Carl Ballester, Brother Marty Ballester's father, who was a very well-known preacher in his time. He's passed away now. And uh, you remember the story about him driving down the road and the Lord speaking to him. He's right out in the middle of a, looked like to him, kind of a desert place. And the Lord speaking to him said, stop the car, get out and preach. And he's like, God, there's nobody out here. And then the people, if they drive by, if there happens to be a car drive by, they're going to think I'm crazy out here preaching, nobody here. And he said it came so forcibly. Finally pulled over, and he got out. He preached uh, a little bit there on the side of the road, plan of salvation, whatnot, got back in. didn't seem like nothing happened. Got back in the car, drove on down the road, went to his next appointment, preached and whatever. And I don't know how long down the trail it was, but soon he found out uh, there was a man that was in the church service and that recognized that voice, and he did have a very distinct voice, recognized the voice of Brother Carl Ballester and came up to him after church and said, you don't remember this probably, but do you remember being at such such highway at such such time and you got out and you were preaching and then you got in your car and drove off? He said, well, I was a drunk that was underneath that culvert there underneath the road and I heard every word you said and I felt like God was speaking to me and I found a church and I went back and I prayed through and I'm here today because you were obedient to God. Souls can be saved as we are obedient and sensitive to the Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But you got to be open. The only way you can be sensitive to God is to be open to God. If you close it off with your self-will. And in these verses of Scripture, we see two things that is pointed out. In Ephesians, it talks about grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. First Thessalonians, it says quench not. Have you ever wondered what the difference is in grieving and quenching? I'm going to tell you what the difference is. To quench the Spirit, well, let's go back. To grieve the Spirit in Ephesians is when the Spirit is telling us, Ho, halt, don't move, don't go forward with this, don't make this decision, don't cross this line. And how many knows the Spirit can warn us in certain areas and the Spirit can talk to us in certain areas and warn us and sometimes we don't need to step over that line and grieve. You know, I've seen the Spirit grieved in a church service. God was wanting to move a certain way, and people, because they were not sensitive to that, they moved in a different way, and it grieved the Spirit of God because they were not obedient to wait. The Bible tells us sometimes we need to wait upon Him 
and that he'll he'll speak to us. We in sometimes in our impetuousness and and impatience, we and zeal even sometimes people push on past that and it grieves the spirit of God. By not being sensitive, you you grieve the spirit of God. But to quench the spirit of God is when God is speaking for you to move in a certain direction, move in a certain way and do a certain thing and be obedient to him in a certain way. And you do not obey. And you quench it down and you hold it back. That's quenching the spirit. Amen. And either extreme is wrong. For us to overshoot the will of God. For us to be uh, so rambunctious and unsubmitted that we overstep it. That's not correct. And for us to clam up on it and suck down on it. That's to quench it. That's not correct. We've got to be sensitive to it. And if we'll be sensitive to it, the Spirit will lead us as we need it to. Can you say praise the Lord? And so there you have it. It's important that we be sensitive to God. They tell me that, uh, I heard Brother Booker say this one time, that a baby has seven cries that a mother would be able to identify. Now, I don't know about all that. Uh, Maybe I could tell one or two as a father. And beyond that, I'm helpless. I can tell whether it's a, a hurt cry or would like to hurt somebody cry. You, you know the difference. It seems like you're sensitive to that also. Um, but they say, you know, there's cries of hunger. There's cries of pain. There's cries... Uh, of anger, just on and on and on, seven different ones that can be identified. And I've heard mothers be able to pick up, you know, me, when the baby starts crying, it must be hungry. Get a bottle. My little granddaughter, she's taking that bottle, looked at me with that bottle in hand, just threw it out there on the floor and said, that's not what I'm wanting. That's not what I need right now. Don't you understand? I said, well, you know, uh, if it's a diaper, I can sure hand her off to somebody else and get that changed and get that taken care of. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is, is they, they are sensitive to that. Mothers are, that are, that are you know, they're, they're very sensitive to these type of things. I, I heard a story uh, about some new converts that were wanting to, they just came in the church. They came to outreach on the on the Saturday outreach, and they they didn't have they didn't have a living for God all figured out. They just got the Holy Ghost, just got baptized, and the pastor certainly did not want to squelch their zeal, but he was concerned that they maybe didn't know how to witness or what to say, and they may do more harm than good. So he said, "I'll tell you what, to do I'm going to give you these pamphlets, and you just hand them out. You just pass them out, put them on the doors." Don't engage nobody. Don't knock on any doors. Don't talk to no one. Just put them on the doors and go on. And so uh, they were doing that. And as they were walking through the neighborhood, this man said to his wife, said, I just feel uh, like I need to talk to somebody. I just feel like I need to tell somebody about what's happened to us and how good God's been and how merciful God's been in our lives and how the Lord's turned our lives around. I want to witness to somebody in real time. I want to tell somebody. 
said, I, I just feel I'm just going to go up to this door right here, and I'm going to knock on it, and I'm going to talk to him about Jesus. And so he went up and knocked on the door, he and his wife. He knocked on the door, and this young girl with a baby on her hip came to the door, and she had obviously been crying. And he said, you know, we're just in the neighborhood witnessing. We're from this church, and, and we just want to tell you that the Lord loves you and what the Lord's done for us, and I'd like for you to come be with us sometimes. She just broke and started weeping. And she said, you, you, you guys don't know this, but I used to go to a church like that. I used to be a part of a church like that. And I was, I've moved here to this city. I don't know much about, I've been away from God and church for all these years. But I was just talking to my mother on the phone and uh, talking to her, uh, and she was expressing to me, telling her about all my problems. She was expressing to me that I needed to get back in church, and I told her I did, and I, I, I realized that. But I said, Mama, I don't know where a church is in this town to even go to. And I feel so lost and away from God. And, and I need God to show me if God would just bring somebody to share with me what I need to do and where I could go. And she said, while my mama said, I, I'm going to pray for you. And while she was praying, praying about this need, you come knocking on the door and you come and told me about this church. You think God doesn't have incredible timing when we're sensitive to him and when we open up our hearts to him and when we allow him to work in our lives. But the only way that happens is by reason of use. And the more you're obedient to God, the more you can be used of God. And the more you exercise this, this being sensitive to the Holy Ghost, the more it can happen, the more you get a feel for it. I remember Sister McLean talking about how that she was driving down a road in um, uh, Pasadena area or South Houston area and a uh, bad area of town. Way late at night, her husband was gone preaching and she was there and she wasn't paying attention to the gas and the gas ran out and and she was there on the side of the freeway. Lord, what am I going to do? I don't. This is a bad area of town. It's in the middle of the night. Uh, what am I going to do? I'm alone by myself. And she said, the voice of the Lord said, get out of the vehicle and stand right by the door right now. So, oh, Lord, this is a bad area of town on the side of the freeway. I mean, it's dangerous and all of this, all these excuses. Get up right now and get outside the, the car and stand here. And she stood up outside the door of the car just for, a, 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 you know, just a brief few moments. And then she got quickly back in the car. Well, just a little while later, there was a car with its lights shining through the back. It came up behind her. And she said, oh, Lord, I don't know, you know. I don't know who this is and what they're up to. And they, uh, a man walked up to the side of the car very carefully and said, ma'am. She cracked her window where she could hear him and said, ma'am, don't worry about anything. There's no need of you getting out of the car said, we're going we're gonna to help you. What is it that you need? She said, well, I've run out of gas. He said, my wife was with me in the car. We're going to go get the gas and bring it back and, and put it in your car, and we're going to drive behind you to the gas station to make sure everything is okay. She, he said, what happened was as we were driving the other direction on the other side of the freeway, and when you stood up out of your car, my wife looked over and said, honey, there is a Pentecostal woman over there. And uh, we need to help her. And it was at that time when we was driving by. And so we made the next exit and come back to help you. 
And they ended up driving her home and making sure she was safe. I'm going to tell you, it pays to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord right now. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I want to be sensitive to you, Lord. Musicians, come. I want to develop that. I, I, want, I want to get that. And I want to keep it. I want to keep it. Brother Watkins used to tell a story about this mother that had, she was expecting a child and she had a, she had an older boy that was three or four years old. And every night while his mother was inspecting, he would come in and he, they were all getting excited about the coming newborn child in the family. And so every night he'd come and he'd lay his head down on his mama's tummy and he'd sing to that baby. He was looking forward to this baby coming into the world. So he'd sing to, to it every night. Well, when the baby was born, there was some complications. And it was immediately taken to the intensive care neonatal. And, uh, of course, only the mother and father could go in. No siblings, nobody young could go in there and visit the baby. And a week went by and things were not getting better. They was getting worse. Second week, it was just looking pretty bleak. And every day, this little boy, this little brother, around four years old, was saying, Mama, Mama, I want to see. I want to see my brother. I want to see the baby. I said, No, you can't go in. You can't go in. And finally, she woke up one day, about two weeks into this, and she said, Well, one thing for sure, you're going to see that baby today. And uh, she brought the baby in the room, and, or brought the little boy in the room, and slipped by the nurses without them noticing. The little boy walked over, all the wires, all the oxygen, all the different things, tubes coming out of this baby. The little boy was just barely tall enough, and he got his head, and he was peeking over the side got to talking to that little boy he said mama could I sing to the baby she said sure son you can sing to him he said you are my sunshine my only sunshine you make me happy when skies are gray if you only knew, dear, just how much I love you, please don't take. And the nurse walked in, said, you've got to get this boy out of here. He can't be in this room. 
And then he just kept singing. She looked at the monitors and seen that they were changing and things were getting better. She said, tell him to keep on singing. You see, that little boy was recognizing a song. He was recognizing a voice. Something to be said about being sensitive to the Spirit of God. You know, you can, as what was said in this scripture, your ears become dull to the voice of God. And your appetite becomes, instead of being hungry for the meat, you know, we feed people that are sick, we feed them soups and liquids and broth and so Paul's saying we are having to bring milk and give it to somebody that needs meat, really. Because you're sick. You don't have any sensitivity. You've not exercised your sensitivity to the things of God. You still gotta you gotta have it. You gotta digress back to this and be nurtured along because you're not healthy like you need to be. Because you're not being sensitive to God. To hear the voice of the Lord. You can close it off. He said, if any man hear my voice. I want to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. Would you stand with me? I want the Lord to be able to speak to me. Maybe somebody's here tonight and saying, God, if you know who I am, if you know where I'm at, I need you to speak to me. Have you ever felt like that? Be honest. Have you ever felt like that? Hey, I'm telling you, I've felt like that before. I've needed God. I need a word from you, God. Do you know I'm even in the world? preaching for a man he'd had a very big disappointment his life had to move to a different area back to a different place where he'd been and so they moved into the house and they just got the phone hooked up maybe three or four hours before and he was moving and all the strain the pressure of everything's going on his wife just fell down on the floor and just began to weep She said to her husband, God needs to speak to me. God needs to. I just need to know that he knows where I'm at. He doesn't have to abruptly change anything. If I could just know he knows where I'm at. If I can just know that he's concerned about me. He said about that time the phone started ringing. He said I walked over and it was an old sister that many people know is a, a lady that really was in tune with God. Her name was Sister Chenault. She died about a year or two ago. She said, Brother, this is Sister Chenault. He said, I didn't even continue to talk to her. I just handed the phone over to my wife. God knows where you're at. God knows what you need. Amen. I wonder if there's somebody who wants to hear the voice of the Lord and you've got time to hear His voice here tonight. If you'll open up your heart to him right now. This altar's open. There's somebody who wants to hear the voice of the Lord. 
Come on, if somebody wants to get in tune with Him, if you've got to go, I understand. But if there's somebody that wants to hear from God, you need the Lord to speak to you. need the Lord to help you tonight. need the Lord to, to work in your heart. Hallelujah. Why don't you come to this altar? Why don't you seek after God for a few moments here?